Welcome to another episode of Our Interesting Times. It is my pleasure to have Dr. E. Michael Jones back on the show. He returns to discuss a re recent article that he uh, published, The Coronavirus and the Culture War. Of course, Dr. Jones is the editor of Culture Wars magazine and author of many books, including the recently published Logos Rising, A History of Ultimate Reality. I've already ordered my copy, and I guess they can order copies at, at Culture Wars, correct? That's right. Well, okay, well, tonight I talk about this uh, ongoing event, unfolding uh, event that's uh, gripped the entire world for the past few months, uh, the coronavirus, the COVID-19, CV-19, whatever you want to call it. Well, um, you know, they, this, there's this tracking device, the Worldometer, which is kind of a grim, tracks the, <laughs> the, the mortality rate, the morbidity rate, the recovery and all that of this uh, uh, alleged pandemic. Um, I checked it today, and as of um, April 8th, uh, the coronavirus cases number one million five hundred eight thousand eighty nine. Deaths are eighty eight thousand one hundred eighty four. Ninety six percent are considered in mild condition. Four percent in serious. So that's a slight improvement from the last time I checked. Last time I checked, it was ninety five percent and five percent respectively. Um, in the United States, we have uh, uh, claimed or reported four hundred twenty six thousand three hundred cases, fourteen thousand six hundred twenty two deaths. My state of Virginia reports 3,645 cases and a whopping 75 deaths. I recently uh, checked Indiana, your state. They, they claim 5,943 cases and 203 deaths. Put those numbers in perspective. Um, the flu uh, since 2010 has resulted in anywhere from 9.3 million to 49 million illnesses each year in the United States alone. Each year, an average of 5 to 20% of the U.S. population gets what they call the flu. It's estimated the flu results in 31.4 million outpatient visits and more than 200,000 hospitalization, hospitalizations each year in the United States during the severe 2017-2018 uh, flu season. Uh, 900,000 people were hospitalized and more than 80,000 people died from the flu. Uh, according to the journal, uh, uh, the Pharmacy and Therapeutics Journal, uh, influenza is a highly contagious respiratory illness that is responsible for significant morbidity and mortality. Approximately 9% of the world's population is affected, uh, is affected annually after 1 billion infections, 3 to 5 million severe cases, and 300,000 to 500,000 deaths each year just from the flu. So put that in perspective. So they claim we're in a grips of a pandemic here, uh, but I suspect... Um, well, at least why what's happened is this is a crisis that they're not letting go to waste. I think you have this, the same suspicions here. Right. Um, uh, we're, they're mixing in. I mean, they're, I'm not, I, there's a curious drop in, in pneumonia deaths. <laughs> and right. o overall mortality rates aren't higher. Actually, actually, in Italy, they're a little lower this year. I just checked a stat from the United Kingdom. And they're actually, they actually have 3,000 less respiratory disease illnesses this year than last year. Uh, I believe just recently, a couple weeks ago, although it didn't get much press coverage in the States, the uh, UK government downgraded the uh, uh, coronavirus uh, 19 from a high consequence infectious disease. It no longer is considered that, but they still tightened the lockdown. And I think, I think you're familiar with this. The initial reason for the lockdown or the quarantine, whatever you want to call it, there's no real legal definition for this, nor is there, is there much legal justification for it. It was that initial estimate coming out of the um, Imperial College, which 
projected 2.1 million deaths in the United States and two and 500,000 deaths in the United Kingdom. It's been since been reduced to maybe 20,000 in the United States and 5,000 or 5,700 in the United Kingdom. Yet they still maintain the lockdown. Um, they've shut down the economy. This coincided with a uh, stock market crash, <laughs> which they've conveniently blamed on the virus. But this was something that was inevitable given you know, the uh, pumping up the stock market has been getting, you know, from the Fed for the past decade. Uh, there's been, you know, some financial uh, intrigues or problems uh, dating back to last fall that maybe precipitated this. So, uh, Dr. Jones, what's your take on this? Well, I think you should stop quibbling, you know, <laughs> 2 million, 20,000, you know, little little variation there, right? Yes. <laughs> I think, we, I think uh, so uh, we're talking about numbers and we have to establish the connection between those numbers and realities. And in order to do that, I, I have to talk about the death of uh, the single death in St. Joseph County, where I live in Indiana. Um, an 84-year-old man showed up at the hospital with pneumonia. He was tested for COVID-19 because of the hysteria. Uh, he tested positive and then he died. So they announced he died of coronavirus. Well, as you said, uh, there's been a big drop in pneumonia deaths lately uh, because uh, there's no reason this man should be. We should say that he died of COVID. He, he maybe died with COVID if the tech test is accurate. But if it weren't for the hysteria, no one would have added this to the fatality statistics. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the problem. This lady, uh, Birks, uh, who is the, the, the czarina in charge of this whole operation, said that the hospital should be liberal in understanding this. So we're back again uh, to a situation like African AIDS, uh, which was uh, confected at a, a bang, the Bangui conference in 1985 in uh, the Congo, where they just listed, they didn't test anybody there, they just listed a certain number of symptoms. And if you had those symptoms, you could call it African AIDS if you wanted to. And so one of the symptoms was diarrhea for three days. Well, there are plenty of causes for diarrhea, but that, suddenly they got mobilized into these statistics, and suddenly uh, we were hearing that uh, AIDS had broken out into the heterosexual population, and it was sweeping through Africa, and it was only a, a matter of weeks before they were all going to die, unless they used a condom. And suddenly uh, the whole social engineering angle of this whole thing became apparent. African AIDS was population control program after population control had gone out of style. So that's the history I think we have in mind. I, I uh, gave a talk in Nairobi in, two, I believe it was 2003, uh, went to hospitals and universities and I said uh, that I was an expert on African AIDS because I have a PhD in American literature and I, I majored in fiction and this was clearly a fiction. And so, therefore, you should listen to me. So, anyway, I, they were kind of shocked when I said all this type of stuff back then. And then just last year, I was back in the same, not only the same city, not only the same university, but the same room that I had talked in in, in 2003. And the room was full of people. And I said, how many people uh, woke up today worried that they were going to get AIDS? Well, no one's worried about that anymore. So, it seems to have come and gone. But... One of the lingering side effects of AIDS is Anthony Fauci. 
This is a man who has failed upward for his entire life and uh, made uh, became uh, got onto everybody's radar screen during the AIDS crisis of the 1980s. And uh, he was a man who uh, knew which way the wind was blowing. So uh, to get back to AIDS in the United States, um, everybody knew it was a homosexual disease. And everybody knew, at least implicitly, uh, that the homosexual lifestyle was not something that was going to create health in anyone. And that probably they were all dying of some type of consequence from the sexual activities that they were involved in. And then, of course, you could add into that uh, prophylactic use of antibiotics because they had so many venereal diseases. They started taking antibiotics before they got the next one. And that, of course, uh, disrupts your immune system. And uh, the other thing was poppers, which is they needed in order to have that type of sexual activity, uh, compulsive sexual activity. And that caused uh, all, all sorts of problems as well. But the United States government came to the rescue there in 1984 when Margaret Heckler announced that uh, it was caused by a virus. Now, that diffused the whole lifestyle, homosexual lifestyle issue, uh, because now it was uh, anyone could get it. Uh, and so it, it was threatening to break into the heterosexual population momentarily. Uh, and we we should all use condoms too. Everyone should use a condom. Uh, and of course, uh, once it's a virus, then uh, we're going to have a cure. And so they started to talk about the government will uh, uh, isolate the virus soon, and soon there will be a vaccine, and then you can go back to life as usual, back to the bathhouse and get in San Francisco and do whatever you want. Uh, it won't disrupt your lifestyle. That was the message of the government involvement, the government discovery of HIV. Well, uh, it never happened, okay? They could not isolate HIV. They could take little pictures of strands of random DNA in your bloodstream, and they could say that was that, but the, it was never crystallized, which is what you have to do with a virus in order to uh, identify it. Well, they never did that. But what they did uh, was create a lot of expectation among the homosexuals who were at this point just getting mobilized politically. So there was a group called Act Up at that time, and this was run by a homosexual by the name of Larry Kramer, and they would have die-ins at government agencies, primarily at Health and Human Services, because they felt that the government wasn't acting fast enough to prevent them all from their own bad habits, from the consequences of their bad habits. So they staged die-ins. And at this point, Anthony Fauci starts recognizing that he can be a hero if he starts pleading the homosexual cause, which is what he starts doing at this point. You know, we the government is really interested in you guys. We're here to help, as Ronald Reagan used to say. Um, and as a result, he became very popular. And uh, he started saying, well, we have to have the disease. And of course, then he started pressuring the FDA to allow treatment with a toxic chemical called AZT. AZT was created as a form of chemotherapy. It basically blocked the, the replication of every single cell in your body, which meant you started to die the moment you started taking that. And the, the theory behind the uh, 
using it as chemotherapy was basically, well, it stops the replication of every cell, which means cancer cells will stop replicating. And if cancer cells stop replicating long enough, if you don't die first. And the problem was that many people started to die. So here is the, the hero. This, the, the moral of this story is be careful what you pray for. And the homosexuals were praying for a cure, and they got what they were praying for, but it turned out that it killed them. So Anthony Fauci has killed more homosexuals than Adolf Hitler and the Ayatollah Khomeini combined. And as a result, he's treated as a hero in the gay press. If you read a recent article in the Washington Blade, the homosexuals have nothing but good things to say about Anthony Fauci, in spite of the fact that he killed a lot of homosexuals with AZT. And, so, uh, yeah, this is where the, the, the our fourth estate, the press, has failed us. Not that we expect them to serve us, but they, this isn't widely known. And I noticed that in my local Dyson paper, they have a, a, a laudatory article about Anthony Fauci. <laughs> because his name ends with a vowel. I mean, he was well, apparently he was ed educated by Jesuits or something. So. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so. uh, speaking as someone who was also educated by Jesuits, let me say that that, that can be a mixed blessing, <laughs> depending on the Jesuit who educated you. Bill Clinton was educated by Jesuits, and look how that turned out. So yes, so this well, what I'm saying is that uh, the failure of the medical community, and not the failure, but I guess you could say that also the malice or the corruption of the medical com community has yet to be fully exposed in, in these past, you know, uh, scandals. So we have we have continued faith in them. So now we're listening to them to instruct us on how to save us from this horrible, you know, supposedly hor horribly vi virus that's going to get us all if we don't listen to their right. uh, orders. Yes, that's right. That's right. And so we have. Uh, uh, basically, the old the old story, a, a, a completely flagrant example of a very old story, which is basically that science is in possession of ultimate reality, to use the terms I used in chapter one of Logos Rising. So uh, you you it's good to be in possession of ultimate reality because you can stop every argument dead in its tracks. Yes, um, you put, you kind of allude to it in the article, but, so how, but science, modern science, is sort of born out of sort of Freemasonic mysticism in the West, the Royal Society. Yes, you're right. I mean, that's uh, Newton was uh, the last alchemist. He was uh, heavily involved in uh, Freemasonry. He was a political schemer. His protege de Sagulier was a, a grand poobah of the uh, Masonic Lodge in England after it got weaponized mm -hmm. by the Whig oligarchs, and it was used to take down the bourbon mo uh, monarchy in France. So yeah, it's been weaponized from the beginning. This is all based on Newtonian physics. So when Desugalier was uh, uh, head of the uh, Masonic Lodge, he used to teach courses in Newtonian physics because this allows you to use the sleight of hand, uh, the big switcheroo here, mm -hmm. okay? So uh, confusing categories of nature uh, with categories of the mind. We do it, uh, they do it all the time all the time so as i've said before uh women we, you believe that there are women don't you yes i, I i've married to one yes i am too <laughs> so so we have to believe that there is such a thing as women well if you believe that there are women then you must believe in women's rights don't of, you oh of course well then if you believe in rights you have to believe in abortion 
So you're so you yeah. see the sleight of hand. Wait a minute, <laughs> someone just pulled a fast one there, you know. But this is the type of this is the type of crap you'd hear all the time in the '70s, you know, where the the one word feminist would never use is the word feminist. They always spoke about women as if they had been elected to represent. The, the, the female half of the human race, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 the reason they could say that is because the mass media would ordain them as spokesmen for uh, women. Uh, so I'm talking about. So this is so. All right, let's go back to this. There is a virus out there. Okay, it, it may be a weapon. It may have been weaponized. I think there's a, an argument that can made be made for that, but it's still a virus, and it has to act like a virus because that's what it is. So it is not a mosquito, uh, which means that you don't, you you won't get malaria from it. It won't act like the vector for malaria. It's not a rat, uh, which means it won't act like the vector for the black plague, which mm-hmm. had fleas that would jump, you know, and so on and so forth. It's a virus which you breathe in, and so it may it will act like all of the other viruses that have come through during flu season. So to get back to 2017, I I showed up in Munich, and there. Uh, it turns out my philosophy professor had died in 2017 of uh, the de grippe, as they would say over there, the flu. It it just destroyed his lungs. You know, he couldn't breathe. He died. He was 84 years old. This is not unusual. And I think that that's what there's not there's something that is it, it, there. The evidence that we're, we're seeing here is that. It may be an extremely uh, virulent form of a virus, but it's still a virus, and it travels through the world the same way viruses do every year. Now, so basically, the whole argument, the whole discussion is broken down into two camps. On the one hand, you have largely German epidemiologists who are not beholden to the U.S., uh, to the uh, you know, the health, the big pharma establishment, the CDC, the NIH, mm-hmm. and all the mouthpieces for big pharma. And they are saying that pretty much it's, it's a virus. It will act, go through the population the same way viruses always go through the population. Well, you, you know we can't listen to Germans, so. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I get in trouble all the time when I do this. Uh, but it's, So that's the one side. Yes. And and uh, they have credentials. And then the other side is the oligarchs. And I'm, I'm including Anthony Fauci in with that crowd because he is so deeply connected with the oligarchs. Who am I talking about? Bill Gates, for example. Yeah, you don't think Bill Gates? He can't contract your, protect your computer from a virus, but he's going to protect humanity. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So Bill Gates, uh, 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 the government made Bill Gates an offer that he couldn't refuse uh, about 20 years ago. Uh, he was headed toward an antitrust suit mm-hmm. for his predatory practices at Microsoft. And then suddenly he, he turned a new leaf and he suddenly became a philanthropist. Well, whenever I hear the word philanthropist, I, I, I'm heading, tend to run in the opposite direction. Because philanthropy invariably means population control. It means that they're all they're all these rich folk like Warren Buffett and Bill Gates are worried about the pullulating masses in Africa, and they're trying to propose something always in the name of health. And it's tax it's a tax exempt population control because there's the tax free foundations they create. That's right. And I talk, I think we talked about this before about yeah. the devastating effect that had on Ireland, how these they have enormous power. 
and the Reese Commission tried to shut them down, and they shut the Reese Commission down just to yes. prove they were saying, yeah, we have power, and you're not talking anymore. Shut up. Leave town, which they did. So, Bill, so guess who's on the leadership council of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation? Oh, probably Fauci and Anthony Fauci. Yeah. <laughs> of, oh, my, what a coincidence. Oh, my God. So it's just great minds running in the same circles, or are they? do they have a party line? And so I'm reading up on this, and suddenly here I see Jeffrey Sachs has weighed in on the whole coronavirus thing. Now, he's got a lot of clout. I mean, he's a virologist, isn't he? he he's an epidemiologist. No, he's not. He's got no credentials whatsoever. The only credentials he have is he's a genius at shutting down economies throughout the world and looting them. He's, he's a, a, a specialist in what uh, Naomi Klein called shock therapy and disaster capitalism. Mm -hmm. And you can read her book, Shock Therapy, and uh, find out in detail what he did to Bolivia and, um, and uh, Russia and Poland and all those other places. So, um, and what he did in Russia was basically organize a Jewish looting operation uh, where the wealth of the Russian nation ended up in uh, the hands of eight oligarchs, seven of whom were Jewish. Well, I thought that was the Russian mafia. <laughs> yes. And they're bad whenever they're associated with Donald Trump or vice versa. Mm -hmm. But in this case, they were good because Jeffrey Sachs was orchestrating this for the Jews on Wall Street via the Jews at Harvard. But, you know, if you say that, you're, you're considered an anti-Semite. But so back to back to the current crisis here. I'm reading down Jeffrey Sachs's pronouncement. I mean, it's the man who's an expert, and you better just listen to this guy. So he says, we have to shut down the entire economy. And I'm thinking, yeah, you're an expert at that, aren't you? You're an expert <laughs> at wrecking economies. And in order to do this, we have to put this, you know, we're going we're gonna to be locked down for months now, at least through June. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, through June? I mean, this Bill Gates said exactly the same thing. And they start, yeah, this is the funniest part of Bill Gates' thing. And he says, we all have to share the pain. <laughs> Bill, <laughs> I, I feel your pain, Bill. I, I, I feel your pain. I mean, the waitress where I go for Saturday breakfast is, is out of work. The guy will may lose his business because of that. But I feel your pain, Bill. Just like David Geffen uh, tweeting or uh, Instagram. <laughs> On a six hundred foot yacht, five hundred ninety million dollar yacht in the Caribbean, saying, "Yeah, I'm okay." Oh, we were worried. We were worried about you, David. Thanks for thanks for checking in. And then the, the the abuse he got was so monumental that he canceled his Instagram account. <laughs> He's on his four hundred foot yacht in the Caribbean. <laughs> Thank you, David. Thank you, oligarch. So here we have you know, Bill Gates uh, weighing in. And back to Jeffrey Sachs, he says, well, we have to lock it down month, for months at a time. And the best way to do this is put this into the capable hands of Anthony Fauci. Oh, wait a minute. This is, this is starting to sound like a conspiracy here. You know, I'm a conspiracy nut and I'm beginning to see this. Basically, what, you've, what you're seeing here is the oligarch plan. Mm -hmm. okay. And and so, Sachs and, and Fauci are the technocrats implementing it for him under the cover of public policy. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. So again, we have a a, a a category of reality. We do have. There's a virus out there. There are viruses out there every year. I don't. I I believe in viruses. Okay, I'm not going to deny the fact. But then we have the category of um, the mind that is being applied to this. 
you know, and once you have the power to apply the category of the mind to the category of reality, you can start telling people what to do. And that is precisely what the oligarchs are doing now through their spokesmen, people like Fauci, Sachs and Bill Gates, who may be a spokesman and an oligarch himself. He yeah, they, yeah they, can, they can pronounce. They can pronounce. And yeah. we and we sit here with, uh, you know, we're back to the old mainstream media story. And so there's uh, Anthony Fauci uh, talking to Anderson Cooper. And Anderson Cooper is the man who certifies reality for us because it's a mainstream media. And he's a homosexual, so we have to believe him. And even he is skeptical. Now, I may be confusing my oligarchs here. I think, actually, I think it was Bill Gates he was talking to. It's Bill Gates, yeah, I think he did. Yeah, and so Bill yeah. Gates says, we have to lock everybody down. You can't do this on a county-by-county county basis. It's got to be the entire country, total lockdown. And even uh, Anderson Cooper is a little bit skeptical on this. Now, remember, I just told you about St. Joseph County. We have one old man who died of pneumonia, which was attributed to the coronavirus. Okay, that's it for St. Joseph County. No, we can't do this on a county for county basis. We have to assume that everything is New York City, total lockdown. And then uh, uh, Anderson Cooper says, well, you know, some counties are only registering 100 cases. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. This is Bill Gates talking. You know, and I know what I'm talking about. So what? What is? The, so there's a there's a unified plan here. It's it's the opposite of what we what the German virologists and epidemiologists are saying. Okay, it's the exact opposite. And so it's so out of contact with reality. I think the statistics are all out of contact with reality because every death now of anybody over the age of 60 who dies in a hospital will die of coronavirus. Mm -hmm. It's just inevitable. And so what is the plan? Well, I think the plan is, I know you're going to be surprised to hear this, but uh, to make sure that Donald Trump doesn't get reelected in, in, in November. And I think that is the plan. Stretch this out as long as possible. Wreck the economy. Uh, put millions of people out of work, and then they will all blame it on Donald Trump. And that will. Uh, so this is the this is the third attempt. Russiagate, the impeachment, and now the coronavirus in this regard. Now, that's not the only plan. Now, why else do we want to stretch this out as long as possible? Well, because Anthony Fauci wants some uh, one of his constituents to come up with a vaccine. And that will take time. So, I mean, the, be the best case, to, the best way to see the machinations here is to look at France. Okay. Now, first of all, uh, this coronavirus was an answer to a maiden's prayer. Uh, not because the yellow vest had been on the streets for uh, almost two years now. And he couldn't get rid of them. And it's a deep-seated protest at what he's doing. And finally now, now able to solve that problem uh, by just banning everyone. <laughs> everyone. You have to download a permission slip to walk on the streets of Paris with your computer, total lockdown. And and you see this across the board in Europe, uh, Italy, England, Ireland, France. These are places I'm sure of. The, the picture of the streets are empty, you know. Now, the, one of the, the virologists, the German virologist who says, he said, well, the, the cure, there's a cure every year for the, these flu 
epidemics, and it's basically going outside. People stay in uh, during the winter. They breathe. As soon as the weather turns nice, they go outside. They take a walk, and that's the end of the seasonal flu. Basically, they're, they're, well, guess what? Their immune systems get stronger. They don't need shots. They just have, their natural immune system takes care of it for them. Yeah, they, you get herd immunity. Uh, it passes through the population. Some people get it. Most people don't. You go outside, and basically, your lungs, lungs uh, uh, take care of themselves. Themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, deal with uh, with the, these viruses now. Again, to get back to reality here, uh, the situation in New York does seem to be different. Uh, and the oligarchs are trying to make South Bend follow measures that are, are being taken in New York. Why is the situation in New York different? I talked to one of my correspondents in New York and he said, well, the answer to that is 9-11. Because basically, uh, when those buildings came down, a huge cloud of toxic dust went up and everybody in New York breathed it in, more or less. And it was asbestos, it was heavy metals, it was all kinds of crap, God knows what. And it caused massive uh, lung disease. And even those people, a lot of people died as a result of that. It was covered up uh, because the government said it was safe to go back about two days after the whole mm-hmm. thing, when they're still covered with dust, because they wanted to go back to normal. Uh, uh, and uh, the people who didn't, die uh, in the immediate aftermath all had compromised pulmonary systems yeah i i remember i remember after 9-11 there was talk about in the decades to come that there will be increased respiratory diseases in new york because of that day yeah well that's true yeah and so that's why new york is different but these people don't think uh uh in terms of differences everything is the same for these people because they're globalists <laughs> that's the way they think you know, so let's just lock down the United States of America, wreck the economy, uh, destroy Donald Trump's chance for reelection, and also make a killing with a vaccine. I think that's the plan. I think that's the plan. Yeah, I mean, you have, um, uh, if you do a chronology of events in, in September, there was talk about problems with the repo market, repurchasing market and government debt. And you had a, uh, if you probably look at the SEC filings next year, you'll probably see a lot of people selling off who were aware of this event. And you had event 201, which is the, which you write about the uh, exercise or, or, or scenario that they gamed. Uh, this was done with the John Hopkins University, the World Economic Forum and the Gates Foundation, sort of gaming this very, very scenario that played out, you know, uh, a few weeks later. Yeah. Um, and um, then, you know, the by uh, hyping the severity or the threat to public health in the virus, they can uh, order the uh, the uh, the shutdown, which then implodes the U.S. economy. And they call it the coronavirus recession or depression. And they blame that. And then they can pass this huge bailout or re- recovery package that they call two point. Two trillion and an additional four trillion uh, for the Exchange Stimulation Board that Mr. Mnuchin is going to <laughs> oversee, and they're yes. going to buy up troubled assets and make everyone good, and so it's a huge it's a huge transfer of wealth undone under the cover of a uh, false pandemic. Yes, and but don't worry, Mr. Mnuchin is going to send you a check too. Don't worry, <laughs> he's going to send you a check for a thousand dollars. Yes. Now I, I know I know I know that's a lot of money for you and a lot of money for me, but uh, these poor twenty-year-olds who have fifty thousand dollars worth of student loan debt, 
uh, is that a drop in the bucket? Is that a, a, a mockery of their situation? What are they going to do? Buy marijuana with it? A thousand dollars can buy a lot of marijuana, and you can smoke dope and forget about your troubles while you're locked down watching pornography. Yeah, because the dope stores are open, but the churches aren't. That's right. So again, as I said in the article, this gives you some indication of what the brave new world that they are pre preparing for us all along. It's in force now. You know, it's in force. Uh, you're basically locked up. I, I, I had a, uh, a discussion with a friend of mine who was talking about guns and about concentration camps. And I said, look, these are all obsolete forms of military technology. You don't need a concentration camp when every single go home as a cell you know he'll save the government a lot of money by locking everybody up in their own homes and that that's that's uh, what they have done that's what they have done they've succeeded in doing this and the only way you can do this is some type of emergency in this case a medical emergency and at that point you you take control of the high ground which we call ultimate reality and how do you do that you say i'm a scientist and actually, that's the title of the article in America magazine yes. where they justified this this ridiculous. I am a scientist. Call off, off mass. Well, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I can't argue with you this because as soon as you say, say you're a scientist, you're in possession of ultimate reality. And I can't argue. Well, this is an old game. And this is why because I know the game and the game is up. Uh, we, we've heard this too many times. You know, Bertrand Russell got paid a lot of money for his uh, prognostications about ultimate reality. Bertrand, Bertrand Russell felt that ultimate reality was little balls called called atoms bumping into each other. There were atoms and the void, and that was that. And that was ultimate reality. So you may have thought that you were happy, uh, but that was just because those little balls in your brain were bumping together happily. Uh, 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 that's all it was until so you were preposterous and Russell and, okay Bertrand Russell I'm sorry we're back. so at the same time he was he was talking about uh, anointed as the 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 uh, the commissar of ultimate reality he was reading Heisenberg and Heisenberg said no it, those those things you call atoms can be split and they can be split and split and split into smaller and smaller parts, and then they disappear as energy. And when that energy gets released, that's really powerful, and that's called an atomic bomb. Mm -hmm. And that pretty much, that's the end of the discussion, because if you've got the atomic bomb on your side, what can I say? What can I say? I have to accept your version of ultimate reality. <laughs> well, this is all obsolete, uh, obsolete physics, obsolete uh, military technology. It's all obsolete, because the main... Uh, issue in this war is control of your mind and the question is how do they control your mind uh, by imposing their categories of reality their categories of the mind on selected pieces of reality and the performing that sleight of hand well it's interesting they claim you know they claim the possession of brute facts science objective objectivity and these things but uh when confronted with things like uh you know uh uh, uh not increasing mortality rates uh even the numbers they provide don't uh present a, a, a something unique it's well within the norms of a you know of the flu season 
Um, but they come out with these projections and they have the media with the scary headlines. And I, you know, it's, it is a magician's trick because it gets back to alchemy because what they do is they go in and they, de they declare an emergency and the, uh, the shutdown, the quarantining, uh, is the effect that proves the cause. Cause I mean, when, right. I mean, they, they, they stopped the NCAA, they stopped major league baseball, they stopped sports and entertainment. I mean, that's a big part of the control uh, system in our, it, in our society. You're so right. most people think, well, this must be really serious if this, if they're doing this because they're giving all that up. Well, no, that's the trick. They had to create the, uh, the, the, uh, the atmosphere or feeling of something really, really bad in order to justify the crackdown so they could implode the market and pull off a, a yet another financial coup at the same time, uh, create all types of justifications for another power grab, which we're seeing naked, yeah. done nakedly before That's right. right. And in many ways, the United States is not the best example for looking at this. As I, I said, France is a, a much clearer example. And also, it turns out that Macron uh, doesn't – the, the former epidemiologist in France by the name of Raoul or some of the was a good plan of themselves in France. Jewish minister is going to they're going to they're proposing a vaccine well that's the same playbook over here mm -hmm. the government is intervening in this to produce a vaccine because and then they're going to try and make it mandatory mm -hmm. okay and that's where the blood is going to, going to flow in the street I think if they if they press this so the longer they lock you down the more they or they create violence uh, in the society and so you're going to see it. It's benign here. It's pretty benign. We're, we go do what, whatever we want here. We walk around. You can't go to church, but you can walk around, take a walk when the weather's nice as it was today. And there are lots of people out walking around. But you look at Ireland and you, I, I just feel so bad for the people of Ireland because the streets are absolutely empty and the people are cowering in their houses. But worse than that, you've got Irish snitches snitching on other Irishmen, calling up the police. My friend walked his dog twice today. Arrest him. This type of uh, same thing is happening in England. But, but they're giving advice in England, too, where they're telling people they can't go out and get sun and walk exercise. That's completely contrary, just common sense, good health, that it should pretty much expose them for the frauds that they are because you've, you have doctors and experts giving you advice that's completely Oh, wait, this isn't anything new, really. <laughs> They're the ones that gave us the food pyramid, right? <laughs> the 70s. Um, made everyone fat and obese and created the diabetes ep epidemic uh, we have now. But uh, it's such flagrant bad advice that you would think people would say, well, no. That's, that's why Logos is important, because yeah. we have to make judgments on the scientists. That cannot be the ultimate reality. We have to be able to make judgments on these things, and Donald Trump is in exactly that position. And we have the ability to make judgments on that because we have Logos. And so the people are thrown back on Logos now. They're talking to each other the way we are talking right now. They are screening out the information. They're coming up with the stuff that makes sense. They're putting it together in a way that in, in an explanation that has a plausibility that the mainstream narrative does not. And I think one of the main reasons they had to roll this thing out was because they lost control of the main the narrative. The mainstream media, the oligarchs, lost control of the narrative in 2019, and it manifested itself as a battle over who can speak on the internet and uh, hate speech confected by the ADL, 
the comma, the Jewish commissars came in and tried to beat up people like me. And now they've been shoved aside. And now we have a bigger crisis. But the principle is the same. We're going to trump anything you say because we are scientists. Fauci is a scientist, blah, blah, blah. As soon as they put on the white lab coat, you can't say anything. Now, let, let's let's take a look at Ireland, for example, now. The poor people of Ireland, what did they do? What did they do? Well, they accepted the fact, uh, the supposed fact, that abortion is a medical procedure. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And they had a referendum and they voted on that. And the result was that they decriminalized um, uh, abortion. Now, you gave up. Why did they do that? Because this uh, with impunity, they thought they thought. So now how we are using science to contravene the moral law law. And I please. And no one, no church can tell me tell me your power and now the medical establishment has kind you to your home in other words the people who allowed you to break the moral law are now completely tyrannical because they have no moral restraint because you obliterated the moral law you obliterated the need for a moral restraint when you uh, so that you could screw with no consequence and now the government is taking your permission and turning it on you and now the Irish are being punished by God, but also by, by their own actions. But use God using their own actions to punish them. You got they got what they deserved. They got what they asked for. You know, a medical exemption from the moral law. And now the medical staff is confining you to your home because they have the power and you don't. You gave it up. And of course, we have the culpability, of, uh, you know, of the bishops here. Uh, completely, uh, I guess, surrendering or not even putting up yes, a fight. Yes, and the other side of the story. Yes. See, so the if church is strong. The, they hold the government in check. But when the government is strong uh, and the church is weak, the government, the church has nothing to say. And so it, it, they effectively rolled over and played dead here with the, the whole bishop. bishop here first said, we, you know, practice social distancing. Don't drink from the cup. Seemed reasonable to me. And then he finally had to say, no, we're going to ban masks. Now, all I'm trying to say here is if you can go to a supermarket I don't see any reason why you can't go to mass. What is what is the difference? I know there's a difference between a supermarket and a church. I know that, okay? But for, from the point of view of the spreading the coronavirus, what is the difference? What is the difference of going to McDonald's? You can go to the and the guy hands you out something. That's a little bit different because there's no there. But, but there are crowds of people in supermarkets. An essential service and mass not. Well, because that's, yeah, uh, some of them have said that we're, this was an impermissible interference in the life of the church, and they're going to do it on their own. The Bishop of Alcala announced he's going to open it up. Oh, where is this thing? I'm sorry. Can you Alcala, Alcala in Spain. Uh, so Spain, uh, that's interesting. So he's, he's going to do it in Spain? Well, we don't know if he can do it. That's the question. What happens if he does it? <laughs> Maybe they can hire a few communists to burn, to the, burn the churches down again. <laughs> the, the, the fatal problem, largely because they, there's a vested interest among a certain segment of the clergy, because they know that the government condones homosexual activity. They hand out permission slips, and so they have an allegiance to the government that is greater than the allegiance to the church. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the Jesuits, in case you're wondering. Yeah, 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 yeah. And of course, uh, <laughs> yeah. 
And that's where that article appeared. I am a scientist. Uh, call off mass. <clears throat> that's where it appears. No coincidence that appeared in America. Mm-hmm. And just, again, we're dealing with numbers that simply doesn't justify that type of reaction. This abundance of cautions, they say. Uh, right. To, to shut down civil society. And someone like Jeffrey Sachs or even Anthony Fauci can sort of casually discuss, even Bill Gates, just shutting down society for several months without any regard, apparently, for the social and economic consequences for that. Um, it's obvious that, you know, in the long-term effects, the economic effects of that are going to kill far more people than any, any pandemic would. Right. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. And that, again, the fact that, you know, that itself, uh, I think, uh, uh, exposes the mind control here. That I no think one, so. No one in the press even even asked that question to, to these people. No, that. that's why they're in the press. Yeah. So when you're confronted with irrationality, then you have to say there must be some hidden agenda at work here. And yeah, because, think, yeah, because uh, the, the, our political leaders aren't that stupid. Um, you know, uh, you know, someone like a, a Governor Cuomo or Gavin Newsom, you know, uh, you know, whether they're posturing or they're, whether they're posing for the camera, um, the, the shut down their entire states, uh, uh, to me, just beggars belief. But again, you have to understand there's a, l- a wider agenda here. You know, and you don't. It doesn't take much to get a politician to act like a tyrant because they always overreact because that's that's what they think they're so. They always got to do, be doing something. So you give them. That's right. You know, that's that exactly the problem because you got. You know, it's like don't stand there, do something, and yeah. the politician has to overreact to give you the impression that he's in charge when he may be making the situation worse. Mm-hmm. So the classic situation uh, where you made it worse is India. India, horrendous situation in India. Okay, now what what is the situation in India? Well, the cheap labor market went bust uh, before the the derivatives market, which is going to go bust very soon. Uh, And so you may have noticed uh, or not that uh, last year, uh, Forever 21, Banana Republic, American Eagle, all the mid-range clothing operations went bankrupt. They closed their doors and that cascaded to India where all those clothes are made. And so uh, the rich uh, Indian garment guy built a new low-wage factory in a lower-wage part of India, sets all up, ready to take do business, and no orders come in. And so he goes bust. He goes bust. And these are the people that are screaming to Modi, Narendra Modi, uh, who is the prime minister in India. And so Modi then asks, uh, what, what am I going to do? I know. We'll talk about the coronavirus. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to ask the IMF for a $1 billion loan to fight the coronavirus. Well, this guy is going to get $25 million for his sweatshop. <laughs> how do you know it's going to be uh, spread there? Well, why is he? Why is he? How do you get the loan? Well, you have to follow World Health Organization guidelines which means you're going to lock down India. Okay, India has 1.3 billion people, and so far 35 people have died of the coronavirus. Now, you don't have enough zeros in your computer to come up with that percentage of the, of the, corona, of the population. And so what does Modi do? He shuts down everything, shuts down the entire economy. Everybody's confirmed, confined to their houses. And doing it Indian style means the cops go out on the street and they say, see you on the street. They beat you with clubs. And I have videos watching videos of these poor Indians being beaten by these cops because they're out on the street. 
Now, there's a large segment of that population that works, that lives hand to mouth, the whole lower class. There's no social welfare net in India. These people uh, live in the slums of places like Mumbai. They go out to a day labor market, and if they're lucky, they get a job. The women will carry bowls of dirt on their head for the day, and then they'll get some pittance, and they go back and feed their family from that. Modi has shut this down completely. So these people have no way of working. There's no social welfare. It means they're going to starve to death. At that point, they start leaving the slums of Mumbai. They're going back home where someone's going to take care of them. So you've got the very population that is the most likely to have the disease because they live in close quarters in the slum. And now they're going to spread it throughout India. So there's massive columns of people walking along the street, uh, uh, not six feet apart either. Uh, <laughs> even even more striking, they're all trying to get on buses. And believe me, I've been on Indian buses and you don't do social distancing on Indian buses. It was one of the most sensual experiences I ever had in my <laughs> life. If the bus, if the bus, you don't have to worry. If the jam's on the brakes, you won't fall because there are too many people there to keep you from falling. Well, but, that's going to, if what they're saying is true, that's going to spread the disease. And, and many other diseases too that they're eventually blaming a virus. Yes. Because you have and sanitation so issues. It becomes yeah. a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. So this is a terrible situation. And it, 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 invariably what you see as Donald Trump pointed out, is the cure is worse than the disease. Across the world, the cure is worse than the disease. So what's going to happen? I'll make a prediction. Okay, there are two, two options. The, the stricter the quarantine, the more violence is building. And so we're now seeing in, in Sicily, for example. Why is Sicily locked down? They're nowhere near northern Italy. It's a completely different situation. But they're locked down in Sicily and because no one's traveling to Sicily, the ferry went bust, went bankrupt. Well, the ferry brings food to Sicily. So now the, the stores in Sicily don't have food. Well, the classic revolutionary scenario is called a bread riot. Mm -hmm. When people, when bread gets too expensive, when it's not available, the people go out in the streets and they riot. Because I guarantee you, these people are not going to sit in their homes and starve to death. It's not going to happen. So that could be part. The riots have already broken out in India. So you don't think because, Bill Gates is fasting in solidarity with uh, the poor people of Sicily? Yeah, I, with with David Geffen on his yacht. <laughs> They're probably down to their last tin of caviar. Well, they don't care. They're in the depopulation anyway, whether it's done that's through right. bombs and they, and or this, famine or whatever. I mean, yeah. That's right. That's right. So here you have, uh, that's one possibility. Now, I'm hoping for a, a, a better scenario. Let's take London, for example. I just read an article about a guy who went, was in Hyde Park on Sunday. He's one of the few people there, and he's being harassed by cops who come up to him and tell him he can't sit on the park bench. Why not? How is that going to spread the coronavirus? I'm all on the park bench by myself. So in the civilized countries, if they have any spirit left, any spirit of independence, all they have to do is everybody go to the park on Sunday. Yes. And that, and that will be the end of the quarantine because they don't have enough cops to arrest everybody. What this, are they going to do? And this what, Sunday would be most appropriate. Yes, it would be appropriate because it's going to be Easter Sunday. And if the church knew, if the church were all, uh, intelligent, run by people who understood psychological warfare, 
they would organize a mass procession uh, to a public space. But it's still possible because we have Corpus Christi coming up. We could resurrect the Corpus Christi procession. Uh, that would be that would be a hopeful scenario because it would minimize the violence. If they continue to repress this thing, if they hold on too long, they're going to create violence. Now, I'm sure there are segments that want violence because then it would justify a violent response. But I'm hoping that those people don't carry the day. Yeah, there, I think with uh, within this operation, and I think at this point, it's appropriate to call it a deep event, as uh, Peter Dale Scott might call it. Uh, it's, uh, it's something, uh, again, uh, we have what's being retailed to us in the press, you know, the pandemic, the virus, which is cover for a deep event, which is the uh, planned, uh, wouldn't say perhaps demolition, but implosion in the U.S. economy to cause stock prices and asset prices to drop. So those um, people, those in the know can get the bailout and then be in a position to buy everything up for a song afterwards. Right. And concentrate more wealth. This, ha this occurs in any crisis, the Great Depression, the wars, the yes. 2008 crisis, even 2001 to lesser extent. But there is a lot of financial shenanigans that coincided with 2000, with the September 11th attacks, which weren't investigated because the Fed had to pump trillions in the economy to, to, keep, to prevent a crisis. So it covered a lot of things up. Right. And this is the same thing happened here. And not to mention, it just, it's created a you know, potential $4 trillion trush, uh, a slush fund for the vampire squids, <laughs> you know, institutions yeah. like Goldman Sachs, uh, Black, you know, this Black, what's this, Blackstone Group? Or, or uh, yeah, Black Black Rock, Rock. BlackRock. BlackRock yeah. is now going to administer the government's bailout. Yeah, which is... Thank you, know, you BlackRock. I'm sure that nice was... Of like, guys. Nice sure, of you guys to do that. <laughs> I'm sure that was like a competitive bid they got that or something. <laughs> and I'm sure they won't profit from it. <laughs> so, um, but it, again, it's one of these things where it's uh, you just it's, it's it's pretty clear at this point. Yet I think a good uh, I think probably more than half the population is still buffaloed by it, terrified. I see people walking around in masks and you know, worried about the virus, this virus, that. You have um, I think a lot of the stuff we're seeing with the uh, like the grocery stores and the social distancing. This is like right out of like the. Rand Corporation or Tavistock Playbook, where they, you know, they, they want to make things chaotic and as inconvenient, as uncomfortable as possible, sort of a, a test. They call it a shit test. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that's it, people buy toilet paper. Yeah, yeah. And so they want to see this reaction. I mean, these things are foreseeable. I mean, you, I mean, you remember well the 70s. Uh, I do. It was my childhood, but I remember it. I was very young, but I do remember the gas lines and these things, you know, but Kissinger and these guys, they knew. The bankers knew if they carried out the policies they're carrying out, you, this was going to happen. They didn't care, and they sort of maneuvered the crisis to um, create uh, the next phase, which was China and the, and the Trilateral Commission and the petrodollar and the seventies and these things and, and this sort of and the, the era of uh, of um, uh, you know of outsourcing and these things, the deindustrialization of the West. And, Chateau Rambouillet. Yes, and uh, so they don't care about the suffering it creates. You know, in fact, it's part of the plan. And that's what's most disturbing about this. People don't think that they're evil people, you know, in power. Right. You know, and um, a lot of things don't make economic sense. Like, if you look at what the Bolsheviks did in Russia, it made no economic sense. Uh, but it, it served an ideological and also wider geopolitical purpose. And the millions that suffered under the Bolsheviks uh, didn't really, didn't matter much in the, in the eyes of the oligarchs who were kind of reconfiguring the world system at that time. Right. You know, it's a little disturbing. People, again, people have to realize, and, and what I'm hoping in a crisis like this, 
that this uh, exposes more people to the reality of the system that we live under. Because really, if they had kept the the frog boiling for a little while longer, a few decades longer, um, you know, people wouldn't be awakened to this. This has alerted a lot of people. This is a, like a splash of cold water in the face of a lot of normal people who That's right. trust their system. So it might be a good thing. And this is, a, you know. Cunning. This is the cunning of reasons. Hegel the cunning say. of reason. I think God always has a plan to bring good out of evil. Yeah. And the good that comes out of this is suddenly we are conscious of what they're doing to us and they can't pull the wool over our eyes anymore. And that will continue the uh, disruption of their narrative that began last year. Yes. You know, I would like to be able to uh, make the changes that are unnecessary. Uh, you know, be able to uh, educate people on this stuff without a crisis. That isn't the way these this, these things play out. You always need a crisis, unfortunately. You need suffering because um, people won't listen otherwise. And that's that's right. You know, that is the purpose of suffering. And it's chat. It's, God, it's, it's God, a chastity, God's yeah. way of getting your attention. Um, so this is uh, might be how it plays out. I mean, good example is I mean, uh, I mean, you made this point is just going into the into the fall. We all agreed that society was going crazy. It was off the rails. Right. It needed a correction. You know, and it is, we're not we're not going to get a superhero to save the day. It needs something like this, and so hopefully this will wake a lot of people up. Because I'm, I I haven't heard anything about transgenderism, and homosexuals the past few weeks. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so they, life is getting real to people, so they can't indulge in these fantasies. You know. Yes, I think that's right. You know, I and think so that's, that's right. what I'm hoping. Something like this comes out of this. Is wakens a lot of people up to the reality of the system. And um, even if it stays their hand, makes them you know, alter their plans, uh, cut back a little bit, that's, that, that, that's a victory. But this, this uh, was a leap forward, I think, for a reason. And I do think they, they might have leaped too far this time because it really is so absurd what they're trying to do now. Can they get away with it? That's yeah. the question. Yeah. And I think at a certain point, people are just going to – I think they're going to go outside. Yeah. I think they're just going to take a walk. And at that point, the government's going to have to decide, do we arrest the guy? Do we shoot him down in the street? Do we gun them down in the street? Or maybe we just better say, uh, oh, it's over. When it's when it starts to unravel, when the people start taking this into their own hands and walking out to the out on the street, uh, they're going to have to make that decision. Do well, we shoot the guy or do we call it quits? Well, what they're trying to, I think, maneuver now is position this. It all depends on what their objective is, how far they want to take it. If you're if they want to really implode the economy and create real misery, then they just extend it, extend it, extend it. But it's all a question of how far they want to go with this. Um, the question is, uh, you know, the St. Louis Fed predicting 32% unemployment in the second quarter of this year. We're in the second quarter now, I think. That's not sustainable politically. I mean, no. that's like, <laughs> no. And and people have to go out, go back to work, and they have to stop listening to these people. They have to start making fun of them. You need ridicule now. Uh, because what they're what they're proposing, what they're saying, is just utterly ridiculous. And and as this, again, more and more as the, as the weeks go by and the numbers come in, and the reality is that far removed from the headlines, like you know the scary headlines you read about surging this, the death you know death death mount to rise, you know death you know these things, people are going to have to say, listen, I'm not listening to this anymore. I'm just you know, this isn't reality. I mean, my home state was declared a disaster area by the federal government. Uh, our governor requested it and got it. I'm looking around. It's not a disaster. <laughs> Just people are no. in, can't go to work. That's a disaster. So you're, you're faced with two alternatives. Either everybody stays inside, in which case the violence increases. Mm -hmm. And it will find expression 
going out, uh, by something, you know, looting stores or by staying internalizing and committing suicide. So that's the one alternative. Uh, and that's not a good alternative. And then the other alternative is pretty much the state of way things are in Indiana. You know, I rode my usual five miles on the St. Joe River. There's a bike path that goes. There were people all along the bike path, either walking or riding their bikes. So at a certain point, that's and that's smart on the part of the officials because they're not pressing the issue. No. So uh, a guy told me in Illinois the other day that the police chief told him that, yes, you're not allowed out of your house, but we're not going to enforce it. <laughs> and that that's that's a smart thing to do. Yeah, because it diffuses the revolutionary potential. But there are consequences there, too, because at a certain point you're going to say, well, this is about five weeks into the crisis and everybody's still out and we're all taking walks. And we've been doing this for five weeks and, and the sky hasn't fallen. So I, I think we're all declaring that it's over. That, yeah. I think that's that's the those are the two alternatives. Yeah, and, and it also reveals like I read a uh, a troubling statistic is that seventy percent of women with children under the age of eighteen uh, work full time in this country, and now they're at home because <laughs> they're not allowed to work. And again, this might be a situation where they discover that they enjoy this more than going to work. And so when they bring this back up, there might be a lot less people who or a lot more people who want to go back to a more traditional pattern of living, which is sustainable and healthy, as opposed to one we're living, which is, you know, two income families uh, uh, living on credit and heavily in debt. And, right. uh, you know, and so it's going to come down to who can capture the narrative, who can can can. It's going to be us against them. Is it going to be the Internet or the mainstream media? Because, so there was one article that I saw, ABC News, Good Morning America, and the headline is, sorry, conspiracy theorists, it's not a weapon. Well, as soon as you give a tendentious headline like that, you tell me that you're limping behind the Internet. Mm -hmm. You're trying to catch up to the Internet. So it's going to be a replay in some sense of 2019 about are you still in control? Is this going to succeed? Are you going to succeed here where you failed last year with the Internet and hate speech? Is this going to reassert control? And uh, it's an open question. We're, I mean, what we're doing here is trying to argue against that. I mean, we have a right to, to, to know what's going on. We have a right to use the Internet to inform ourselves. And uh, once we inform ourselves, we should be able to make decisions. Better decisions than ones based on mainstream government propaganda. Mm -hmm. yeah. And again, uh, they make no provisions for. I mean, they ca they casually talk about people sheltered in place. You know, they even call it a lockdown, which is interesting. That's something you use in prison. What they think of us is uh, how are they people going to eat? I mean, they say it's essential. So, well, it's essential that I go out and work because it's essential that I pr provide for my family and that I eat. And everyone's job is essential in that regard. <laughs> so That's right. You know, what's essential? You know, and also if you shut down, you know, production for, you know, for two months, three months, is the, the supply chains collapse. And then you have shortages. In the, you know, That's right. You know, and you're, the, you're probably going to see that anyway because they've caused so much disruption. And again, at, at, and the numbers have never justified that rea this type of over-the-top reaction for it. No, you know they'll declare victory. They'll say, you know, we did this. Now we avoided the catastrophe because this is what we did. So you're welcome. 
you know, that's going to be their, their. All, all you have to do is send word to the hospital. Okay. The next guy with, who comes in, the next 80 year old who comes in yes. with them, don't call it coronavirus and that will solve the problem. <laughs> That'll cure it. <laughs> the numbers will go down. As yeah. soon as they say that, the numbers will go down. Yeah, what troubles me is that they've established a precedent here, and uh, you know they've done this gradually with these other fake pandemics in the ensuing years, and they they could have prepared themselves for this. But um, is the idea that any flu season now can be a pretext for shutting society down, and it's insane because, like I said, previous years have been far worse. In 1958, the Asian flu took 130,000 lives in America alone, and that's a, was a, of a nation of less than 200 million. Yeah, you know, and a lot of this is because now, I mean, it's it's almost like a war on death. You know, this thing uh, where you know no risk, we we can't take any risk. Well, life is risk, and we all risk life, death when we go out and earn a living, and we're all going to eventually die anyway. 100% of those people who test for coronavirus are going to die. 100% yes. of people who don't test for coronavirus are going to die someday. It's just, that's that's right. his life. You know, and it's just, you know, I don't know what it is. It's just so, this aversion to reality, this reality that death is part of living. It's just the way, way it is. And again, what, what's, what's been presented to us, what we've experienced this, uh, in the early months of 2020 is nothing near what was being presented to us in the media. And it, I don't think it's going to be. So, you know, it, like I said, it's got to be another reason for it. And yeah. I think we've laid out the case for it tonight. It's a financial coup and a political coup, I think. Yeah. No. And not the, you know, the whole Bill Gates, uh, you know, uh, uh, techno technocratic agenda with his ID2020. He's literally, listen, years ago, if you suggested the government was trying to chip you, you were considered conspiracy theorists. Bill Gates is advocating that with his ID2020, with his little uh, high-tech tattoo that's going to track us. So that's what, he, you know, this guru, self-proclaimed guru, is suggesting that we be subjected to so we can all be monitored, you know. Yeah. Well, my Indian correspondent told me that uh, they, the government told them everybody has to download an app on their cell phone so they can track them. What if you don't have a cell phone? <laughs> You're not a human being. That's yeah. uh, <laughs> Well, that's what like, it is. I mean, I think another reaction could be is this revulsion to, to tech technology that we've all been you know uh, uh become enamored with in, in the past few years but um this idea maybe we, we should just go back to 3g maybe and phones that take pictures and send text messages and make phone calls with maybe just have that <laughs> you know maybe that's all we need really because these devices really yeah. aren't what you know i i hate to i hate to tell you this but i don't have a cell phone so i'm i'm subhuman but at least <laughs> they can't track me yes yeah so you know and maybe that's gonna be a reaction to this you know uh that maybe okay cut back. maybe you'll disconnect the uh you know the uh alexa in your house because this is really creepy now you know yeah yeah <laughs> so well i think we're close to an hour an hour i think we got split up a little bit i think we're close to an hour now right yeah yeah so um, okay well anything else to say and i think we covered it or yeah by logos rising the books arrived yeah. uh three days ago we're shipping out copies uh, you gain, regain your control over the narrative uh, by reconnecting with the real ultimate reality. That's yes. what Logos Rising is about. Excellent. That's, you're you're going to guess that's culturewars.com. Go to culturewars.com and order your copy now. Okay. Well, listen, I, I'm sorry. Connections weren't, wasn't the best tonight, but we, that's what, you know, we get, we get, we can take, get, you know, we get what we get. And, uh, 
It is free. <laughs> so, you get what you pay for. <laughs> so, listen, thanks. Thank you so much. I'll uh, I'll post as soon as I do. I'll send you the link. Okay, thanks, Tim. Good night, Tim. Bye bye. Bye bye.